Hi, my name is Mike Lee, and I'd like to welcome you to the Mind Shift Lab. Each episode will bring you a guest to share exercises, strategies, and mindsets to help you create an internal shift that drives external results in business, the arts, sports, and life. Today I have with me Kyle Wilkham. I have literally known Kyle since he has been born. Kyle is a sought-after keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, and educational consultant. He is the founder of Action Packed Leadership, a leadership development company focused on helping young people become the best versions of themselves. Through Kyle's speaking, books, and online resources, he has reached hundreds of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands, young people with messages of kindness, positivity, and action. In his free time, Kyle enjoys going on outdoor adventures with his wife, Danielle, eating pizza, and watching Milwaukee Bucks basketball games. Kyle, thanks for joining me on the show today. So good to see you, my man. Yeah, great to be on here. You want to just start us off here by kind of giving us a high-level overview of your background, just so people kind of have context as we dive a bit deeper in the rest of the show. Yeah, I, I always say right now I'm an author, speaker, and entrepreneur, and I think for a lot of people that leaves it wide open. What do you write about? What businesses have you started? And it started with me at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, had a lot of unique opportunities. Um, was able to be a walk-on for a short amount of time for Marquette men's basketball. I often tell people I know looking at me, you'd think more football player. Um, but uh, I had some unique opportunities. I, I got to be a, an ROTC member. So I, I trained for a year in the Army. Got to see things from a lot of different perspectives as it related to leadership, as it related to effective communication styles, as it related to building a, a business or a team. Um, so as I started getting more internships in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it led me to doing some writing. And by my senior year of college, I had written a, kind of a short story that related to leadership and a leadership development company in Milwaukee picked it up and said, hey, not only do we want to publish this for you, but we want to put this out there. We want you to be full time with us. We want you to run workshops, do keynote speeches. We want you to travel and, and help young people kind of grow in their leadership. And so I, I did that for several years and I loved it. And it felt like a passion of mine, um, but I still had that entrepreneurial itch. And so I, I left that company. I joined a marketing startup as their first employee. Within nine months, we had built a million dollar business. Things were going amazing. I, I thought it was going to be the rest of my life. And one day, seemingly out of the blue, I got fired. I got pushed out of that business. I left with nothing. I didn't really know where my life was headed. And I went back to those pivotal questions of what am I passionate about? Where should I go from here? What does the future of my life look like? And, and I knew that it was more revolving around my, my own entrepreneurial itch and the passions that I held inside, which was helping young people in particular grow leadership skills, become the best versions of themselves, become great employees in the businesses that they get into later in their lives, 
And so in 2016, I started action-packed leadership. Uh, I started doing some real estate investing and I started becoming, you know, kind of a, a real estate, um, a real, I, I don't want to use the word mogul, but I, I became a, a real estate investor and started building that type of business. So when people ask about entrepreneurship, it's in several different areas. Um, and, but primarily I, I spread messages to young people about kindness, about leadership, about taking action in their own lives so that they can build a life with purpose and fulfillment and become the best version of themselves. Awesome, man. That's a great, great introduction. I know just for context, when you say young people, you're talking about high school students and you've been working in that, that high school space over the past oh, close to a decade now, right? Yeah, yeah. Or over? 10 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right at 10. Yeah. So everybody who's listening to this that's in the corporate space, Kyle has a massive amount of experience working with the majority of a lot of companies right now, uh, a lot of the demographics that are making up, up your company. So we're going to dive into that uh, later in the conversation. But one thing you brought up, Kyle, is you're all about spreading positivity and kindness and leadership and, and personal growth with these uh, kids that you're working with, young people that you're working with, high school students. And I don't think anybody sets out to be a leader. They set out to make a difference. They set out to influence. They start doing things because they want to create change in somebody's life. And usually this happens, I think, because somebody else has done this for us. Somebody else has influenced us. Somebody else has given us an opportunity or challenged us to do more, become more, achieve more in our own lives. And we want to take what we've learned and be able to pass that on to the next generation, to somebody else in our lives or through our professional work. Who's somebody that influenced you growing up? Is there a story that you can share about something that you went through as a kid or an experience that you had that, that left an imprint on your life? Well, aside from you, Mike, uh, and and I say that jokingly, but also serious because uh, I think I was in sixth grade when I went to the first Playmakers basketball camp, which ended up becoming Mike Lee basketball. And, you know, obviously to become an all-state basketball player, to go on to be a walk-on for a short amount of time at Marquette, you know, it starts when you're young. And so I, I appreciate you for, for starting those up and kind of driving my initial passion for basketball. Um, aside from that, I would say my siblings, I have three older siblings and to see them just push themselves, you know, my oldest brother also was a walk on at Marquette. Uh, he wrote an amazing book called walk on warrior about his experiences playing for Marquette university and the coaches and the staff and the players. Um, my second oldest brother, he was an amazing athlete in track cross country, and he played at the, he was a, a track athlete at the college level. Um, and my older sister was also a, a basketball player and she played basketball in college as well. So to, to have three oldest, older siblings who all played college sports to be there for me, to push me, to encourage me, um, they get, not only gave me a vision, which I think great leaders do, but they also use that vision to walk alongside me in my journey. And I think that's so important to say, hey, here's where you could go, here's what you could accomplish, here's what you could do. But even if you don't, like I'm gonna be here for you during all of it. 
And I think that support system, um, I, I owe a lot of a debt of gratitude to all my older siblings. Yeah, you brought up so many things that I want to unpack here. And the first thing is the power of modeling, right? You saw them really maximize their potential. Like, I think, I think we would, could all agree that none of your, your older siblings were like these elite next level athletes. Like they were people who maximize the potential that they had inside of them. And, and you're not even aware of this really at your age, but you're subconsciously thinking, okay, if they can do this now, I can do this too. And it just speaks to the power of modeling from a leadership perspective that you have to lead your, you know, we're both big believers in inside out leadership, personal leadership. You have to lead yourself first if you ever want to have an opportunity to lead somebody else. And a lot of that comes from showing up as the best version of yourself as a leader and modeling those behaviors that you expect. You speak to the power of that and kind of how you see that with the, with the, maybe with the students that you work with or any other examples that you have in your life? Absolutely. And like you said, my, my siblings modeling that for me, when I showed up at Marquette University, this scrawny kid, and they had open tryouts for the men's basketball team, I, I told a few people in my dorm, hey, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do that. And they laughed. Who wouldn't laugh? They, they looked at me, they're like, you're going you're gonna to show up? Why? Don't even show up. Don't even go. And I, I think in my mind, it was always possible. Did I think I was going to make it? I don't know that I was confident about it, I, but it was always possible. There was an opportunity there that I think a lot of people just, just didn't even go. And I think that happens so much in our lives where we write ourselves off before we even show up, where we think a goal is insurmountable. We can't get to it. And so we don't even start. So um, my siblings provided that. But I'll also say when I was 10 years old, I tore my ACL that's not a, a little kid type of issue. Usually that's, you get that later on. And, and so at 10 years old, they, they told me, look, we, we can do surgery now, but we have to go through your growth plates. And if we do that, one leg of yours is going to be shorter than the other one for the rest of your life. So you have a choice. You can, you can have surgery now and just have a short leg for the rest of your life, or you can wait till your growth plates come together and then we can do the surgery. So I went six years without an ACL and continued to just push and play sports. And every now and again, my knee would go out and I would, I would fall and I'd cry. And I, you know, my older siblings would be like, all right, it's okay. You got this. And I, and I think just, uh, you know, to see, to see them do it, like you said, without being six, eight, without, you know, being super muscular, without, but just working extremely hard and you know learning the skill sets and and showing up time and time again that's what i started to do and i don't think many people who tear their acl at the age of 10 have 6 years of of having a, an extensive knee injury wearing a brace on my leg i felt like forrest gump and to come out of that to become you know an all state basketball player and a walk on at a division 1 college um, it, it took a lot of me looking to other people to say, well, what have they done? How have they operated in these scenarios? And, and to overcome adversity in those moments, um, to be the best that I can be, what I'm truly capable of. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, you brought up something that I literally just made a video about the other day and that so many times we don't start something because we don't feel competent. And there's kind of this misperception that you have to feel competent in order to start doing something when in reality, you only become competent after you probably have failed a lot over and over and over again. And you continue to take action. You continue to focus on the process before you ever develop an ounce of competence. Can you speak to that as far as, you know, right now, I think we've all been forced into situations where we're having to learn something new. We're having to do something out of our comfort zone. And in order to do that, we're number one, we obviously have to take action, but getting to the, the place of almost acceptance that with this new normal, with all the new things that we have to learn, I'm going to have to do things that I'm not confident at yet. And I might not even be competent at them, but that doesn't mean that I'm not capable of achieving this new skill set or, or whatever it is they have to learn. Can you speak to that about the, the process, the action that is required in order to uh, learn something new, whatever it is? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're talking to a guy who wrote a book called Action Packed Leadership. So I, I think actions matter. They make all the difference in the world. But I, I had a conversation recently about this, too. And, and I think it's exactly what you're saying is we all have this gap in our lives. And it's the vision reality gap. We're on on one side, you have the reality that you're currently living in. And on the other side, you have the vision for what you wish your life was or what you would like to accomplish at some point in the future. And then there's this space in between those two, the, the reality that you're currently in and the life that you'd want to live if it was perfect for you, if it was truly ideal. And this space is filled with a lot of things, but we also have choices about what we fill that space with. And a lot of times that space is filled with fear or shame or guilt. And we never want to step into that space because we're really just not comfortable trying to bridge that gap between our current reality and the vision we have. And I think that once we start to see that this exists, that this gap is real for all of us, that we all want to be a better future version of ourselves, then we start to decide what do we fill this gap with? And if we start to fill it with confidence, even if it's not fully placed, even if it's not fully real yet, if we start to just be confident in the hope that things will get better, then things start to change. If we start to step into it with that action-oriented mindset, if we step into it with purpose and we say, okay, no matter what, I'm stepping into this gap. And the the difference between high achievers and people who kind of stay in the same place for a long time is that ability to get into that space and just explore and just keep marching and just figuring out what it looks like to live in that space between your current reality and the vision you have for your future. So I, I think it's a lot of that is what are we filling that gap with and how do we do it more intentionally to say, inside this gap, we have a lot of fear or anxiety or stress, but how do I start to become a little more mindful of some of those things so that I can then 
deal with that, cope with that, maybe not get rid of them fully, but, but cope with that and also move forward with positive action, with confidence. And I, I say this all the time, but when we were little kids, this gap didn't exist because our vision and our reality, like it wasn't like we were constantly comparing ourselves to Instagram models or world travelers. We were just like, maybe I'll be a fireman someday, you know? And, and I think it's interesting because it, when we're little kids, we fall down, we scrape our knee, we get back up, we try it again. But when we get older, we start to place things on our own shoulders like guilt and shame. And if we try something and we're not good at it, we don't just get back up and try it again, we quit. And I, so I think there's a lot of things to unpack there, but I, I think one of the big things is, um, is grit. And, you know, it's not just about who's most talented at something. It's about who can stick it out the longest, who can, who can keep showing up, who can work as hard as they possibly can. And, you know, that those are people who consistently get into that uncomfortable space between reality and, and your future vision. Um, they just keep showing up and they get up every time they fall and they, fall again and they fail again and then they keep on trying and, and move forward and fill that space with confidence and hope and purpose. Yeah, I think a big challenge that people have is they mistake being out of their comfort zone for being in over their head. And just because you're feeling uncomfortable doesn't mean that this is impossible, that it's something that you're never going to be able to achieve. It's just, you brought it up earlier when you were going, when you're explaining this, this gap and that's being able to live in that gap, being able to just be comfortable living in that place of discomfort, which a lot of people you know, will think is a paradox, but uh, you really do have to, to live in that gap. And I think one of the biggest things is finding that sweet spot, that spot that's just outside of your comfort zone where you're still having some success, but it's not so easy that you, are, that you get bored with it and it's not so challenging that you wanna quit. And so when you can stay in that space, that's just one step outside of your comfort zone. And then you move in another little step and another little step and another little step. You don't have to take this massive a hundred foot step outside of your comfort zone. That's when people do crash and burn and they fail. It's the people that make the micro improvements every single day, just moving the needle a little bit every day on, on that, on closing that gap between their current reality and their desired future state is where you have to be at. Yeah, absolutely. And and at the end of the day, not judging your progress so harshly because we look at these people online and, and our brains are built to compare ourselves with other people. And now that we can do that at scale and be comparing ourselves to anyone and everyone at any time, we constantly fall into this, okay, it's the end of the day. What did I accomplish today? Well, it's not enough. And if we consistently tell ourselves that, then we're sabotaging ourselves for the next day and the next one when what you're saying is totally true. The incremental steps are the steps. It's not like we need to do those just so that we can leap and run in the future. It's that those steps, they are the growth. That is where it's where it's at. And so if we're constantly neglecting our work or our progress in favor of shame or comparison or fear, then we're just undercutting all of our future success. 
Yeah, the the fear and the guilt and the shame and any emotion that is associated with with things like that. I think one, I would have never ever said this six years ago, but I think a big way to move through this is to adopt some sort of spiritual practice from the standpoint that, you know, there's a quote there. There's actually a couple of them. Somebody just po- one of my friends just posted a, this on Instagram the other day, and I kind of was going back and forth with her about it. And she said, you can't separate the creator from their creations or you can't separate the art from the artist. And I think that when you go down that road, you're walking a very, very dangerous line because you tie any failure that you have up into your identity. And when you can find that place that is within you that you know is the truth and the reality and it's constant and it never changes, that's a place that you can always go back to, that you can always go within and, and know that, yes, I might have failed. I might have made a mistake. I might feel guilt, but that doesn't mean that I am guilt. And being able to separate those two gives you so much freedom because then you're not, you don't have all this external pressure where you feel like you have to derive your self-worth from every accomplishment that you have. Because the reality is we're all imperfect. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to screw up. And that is really uh, something that everybody's going to experience as a human being, especially if you're trying to go after big goals, big dreams. You know, you. Yeah. Uh, another quick thing for you, Mike, really quick. Uh, another quick little tidbit for you. Um, we as human beings, we have incredible brains. Uh, obviously, they're. They're more adept than any other animal on this planet. Um, Our brains are so amazing that they can process 40 bits of information per second. The issue with that is that our our nerve endings throughout our body bring into our body about 11 million bits of information every second. So we're constantly just throwing information at our brain and saying, hey, pick 11 or, or sorry, pick 40 from these 11 million. Pick 40 bits of information from these 11 million. And I I say to people in my workshops that that's like trying to catch a raindrop in a hurricane. And you absolutely will fail. You will not be able to catch individual raindrops as a hurricane is swirling around you unless you take those incremental steps to condition your mind, to condition your body, to understand and process things like gratitude or the positive side of the coin or or to look at something and and not just default to this is bad or negative, but to find kind of that positive mindset around it to say, okay, what can I do with this? Is it good? Is it bad? Time will tell, but let's just give it some time. Let's not jump to conclusions. Um, so yeah, our brains are amazing, but they're still limited in that. And if we can start to take those incremental steps, even mentally with our thought process, to help our brains get conditioned to be a little more positive, to be a little less, uh, you know, guilty and feeling like we are a failure and that type of stuff. It's going to be a shift that might be incremental, but over time can make a huge difference in who we become as a person. Yeah. I mean, you brought up one thing around the awareness, having the, the mindfulness about what we are actually focusing on in the moment. Are we focusing on what we have or what we don't have? Are we focusing on what we 
expect to get out of something or are we focusing on what we already appreciate out of something? And we have to cultivate the awareness to know where our attention is on a moment to moment basis because we do process so much stuff subconsciously. I think the stats are we process, if our brain is operating at 100%, if you broke it into a pie, right? 5% is what we're actually consciously aware of and 95% is run through our subconscious. And so bringing the, until we bring the subconscious to our conscious, we're just going to call it fate or whatever it is. And then we're going to, we're going to just think that, oh, this is just how things happen. And we have to bring all that stuff to the conscious. And a big one thing that you brought up with the, the nervous system is, is another thing I would have never said six years ago is that we have to learn to get in touch with how we're feeling when we numb out, when we, when we dissociate from what we're feeling in the moment, all that stuff just gets stuffed down and then it blows up eventually. And being able to get in touch with what our nervous system is feeling and then being able to work with that, to train your mind, to be able to work with that is a huge skill from developing the emotional skills that we need increasingly in a world that's so chaotic and disruptive and uncertain and changing every single second, getting in touch with those, those feelings helps us create space from them and then be able to operate with more intention. Absolutely. I, I want to tell a story quick because I think it relates to some of this and staying in the moment, being present, not being so feeling of, of shame or guilt or like figuring out what's next. Um, when I was in college and I mentioned I was in the Army ROTC program, so trained with the Army for a year, we had a weekend uh, of field training exercises. So, you know, we went out to a military base. We had a full weekend of just exercises and workouts and it was pretty tough, you know, and a big piece of this weekend was we were going to be sleeping outside and it was miserable. It was so terrible. It was, it was raining and the rain started to turn to sleet as it was like getting colder and colder because the military base we went to was in the middle of Wisconsin and we were just out in the middle of nowhere and we were wet and we, it just, it just was awful. And, uh, one of our, one of our lieutenants actually came over and said, sometimes in life, you just have to embrace the suck. And that's a, a big army saying. And so we were going through it, but a friend of mine who was in the military with me, we were, we were battle buddies. We were going through all this together. We consistently said, let's just get through the next two minutes. Let's just get through the next two minutes, like consistently, like, Hey, in two minutes, we're going to be a, taking a hot shower or we're going to be eating hot chow or we're going to be sleeping in a dorm in, in two minutes, like, and, and every two minutes, you know, like that time would pass and we would get there and we would get there and we would get there. And I think sometimes we project so far into the future of this is what life has to be, or I'm starting a business. When am I going to be a millionaire? Or I, you know, I still have anxiety, but I just started meditating. When is my anxiety going to be gone? You know, or I, I just started doing yoga. Well, how come that's not just relieving all the tension in my body? I mean, we have these unrealistic expectations sometimes. And sometimes in our life, all we have to do is, is focus right here, right now. What are we doing to get through the next couple minutes, you know, next couple seconds even, um, and, and build that energy. And 
when we came home, I actually had to go to the uh, go to the doctor because my feet were so numb. I actually got trench foot from that weekend, and like my feet had it. It's basically something that they got in like World War II because they kept on boots and socks that were so cold and so wet for a long period of time, and so I, like I lost a lot of feeling in my feet for about two weeks before it started to come back. And it just, it just was one of those moments though, where like at the moment I wasn't like, am I going to lose feeling in my feet for the rest of my life? I was like, I just need to make it through these next couple minutes and, and keep doing that over and over again. Yeah. Probably not as extreme, but it re reminds me of preseason conditioning in college basketball. How do I get through this one sprint from this side of the court to the other? Hey everybody, Mike Lee here. I know if you're listening to our show, that means you're a bold, driven, and future-focused leader looking to challenge the status quo and get to the next level, which is why I've created a guide that blends the worlds of sports performance psychology with mindfulness on how to lock in and consistently deliver world-class, resilient performance in any arena of business or life. You can grab your copy by heading over to mindshiftlabs.com backslash performance. That's mindshiftlabs.com backslash performance. Let's get back to the show. If that's yeah. all you can handle at the moment. Well, Mike, I'll say this too really, really quickly is I laugh sometimes because the way I truly made it to the Marquette men's basketball team was I showed up to try out one. There were 26 guys. They narrowed it down to nine. I showed up to, to try out two. And then they narrowed it down to, to four guys for the third tryout. And they said to us, Hey, we think any one of you guys would be a great addition to this team. We think you'd communicate well, you'd do a good job, but we only have space for one of you. And you guys are going to run until three of you quit. And I laugh sometimes because we were in the gym for the next couple hours looking at each other. Like, are you going to quit? Are you going to quit? And the reason I laugh about it is this happened about a week after the crazy army field training exercise my feet were numb. I couldn't feel it anyway. So I was running for the next couple hours. I outran all those guys and they said, Hey, congrats. Welcome to Marquette basketball. I've never been more thankful for the fact that I went through the, the toughest, craziest army field training exercise ever. Cause it, it led me to having less feeling in my feet for this crazy sprinting workout to make the basketball team. That just goes to show that you just have zero capability to truly see the big picture and all the invisible forces that are shaping our lives. Isn't it wild? Uh, you know, the thing I never thought I'd be grateful for, I now look back and I'm like, wow, wasn't that a blessing in disguise? Yeah, no question about it. So let's shift gears here for a second and dive a little bit more into leadership. You know, what does personal leadership mean to you inside out leadership mean to you i know that's a big focus of the new book that you have coming out yeah. or that came out back a few months ago can you unpack that a little bit what does that mean to be an inside out leader yeah i often talk about how you know a lot of times it starts with our thoughts our thoughts become our actions our actions become our outcomes and the more we analyze the outcomes that we get, the more we can develop new thoughts, new actions, new outcomes. And this becomes this, this circular pattern in our life of how are we analyzing our results, 
creating new thoughts, building our foundation of thought so that we can build our foundation of action. So often we think about, all right, are my thoughts positive or negative? Are they real or are they just imagined? Am I placing myself in this fear state of something that hasn't even happened, but I consistently am anxious or worried about? And kind of just breaking down, all right, if we're talking inside out leadership, we need to first build a thought process that works for us, that creates some positive yeah, creates some positivity in our life, creates this, this actual foundation that we can work with to become successful in the actions that we start to take. That's awesome. I, I like the way that you frame that up. I mean, with all the kids that you've worked with and the, you know, the students that are now in our workforce, what do you see as some things that they're looking for in a leader? They're looking at going to work for a company and the people that are working there and the boss that they might have. What's something that is going to draw them to working for a leader? Like, what are some things that, that they would do? Yeah, I, from a very specific standpoint, I mean, you know, Simon Sinek often talks about if you actually ask them, they'd say they want, you know, free food and beanbag chairs. But that's not truly what they're looking for. You know, millennials, Gen Z, you know, what they really want at the end of the day is to feel, one, that the work they're doing has purpose, that they're making an impact that's bigger than themselves, that that impact is resoundingly positive. And again, I'm generalizing. I think everyone's different, but this is something we see quite often across the board. Um, we want to feel heard, millennials, Gen Z, you know, they want to feel listened to. They want to know that their thoughts and feelings are valid. Um, it's why a lot of companies have pushed to um, kind of help them when it comes to mental health days and saying, okay, like we never had to do this with baby boomers. Not that they didn't need mental health days, but they didn't, they weren't self-aware enough to actually take them. And so uh, now, you know, with millennials, with Gen Z, um, it's, it's a lot about purpose, finding something that aligns with what they feel their passion is, um, maybe something that aligns with their skill set. But then, you know, from a leadership standpoint, having managers that value them as employees, that listen to them, that respect their opinions, that don't just make jokes about them being a millennial or a Gen Z. They, you know, they understand that the amazing technology we have right now is something that these young people have grown up with. And they're incredibly like they're good at it. So, you know, you have these young people with a different set of skills, but they're also they're wanting to feel valued. They want to feel like they have a purpose in the company. They want to feel like the company has a greater purpose in the outside world. Um, and, and they want to feel like they're being listened to, recognized, and that they have the opportunity to to grow, to develop both personally and professionally. That's awesome, man. That's, there's a lot of great stuff in there. What do you think is something that somebody in a leadership position could do to communicate the purpose that somebody has within the company and how they can tie that to the vision of the company, the purpose, the larger purpose of the company? Well, first and foremost, they have to think about it, right? I think I think so many companies don't actually think about it. And maybe going back, that's 
uh, a little bit of vision reality gap that they have as as a company, but they don't spend the time, the energy, the effort to really nail down, hey, what impact are we actually trying to make? And I, I think it it might not show as much from an outside world perspective, but for these millennials, for these Gen Zers who are coming into a business, it becomes pretty apparent when you work there 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I mean, you realize when there's a purpose and when there isn't one, and you realize that pretty fast. So you see companies like Apple and Southwest Airlines, and they've spent a lot of time thinking about this um, and whether it's all legitimate or not, whether they're after high profits and they want to appease stakeholders, you know, all that stuff, whether they that's all real or not, you can tell they've put in the energy and the effort to define what they feel their purpose is. And for Southwest Airlines, their purpose is to love people, to, to make other people's lives better, to make an experience from getting from here to there a great one. And it shows in their customer service and it shows in the way that they treat people. Um, and I, I just think that not enough businesses, especially ones that aren't behemoth companies who have the budget for it, kind of the, the midsize or smaller size companies haven't actually sat down with their leadership and said, okay, like we're a car dealership, but what's our purpose? And And it sounds funny. It sounds funny to say but but really, though, you want somebody to come in and to work hard for you, you have to tie it to something that's more than just, hey, you'll get a bonus if you do this. And again, everyone is, everyone's motivated by different things. So I don't want to generalize too much. Some people are like, oh, I'm working for that bonus. Great. That, that's amazing. But a, as a whole, if we're looking at millennials or Gen Z, we actually want to feel it to the core that this is something the company believes in. Um, real quick, uh, I had an internship when I was in college and I won't say the company because I'm going to say some not so favorable things, um, but they consistently put their core values up on the walls all throughout the hallways, everywhere in the business, and nobody could recite them. And I know because I could recite them and I asked people, I'm like, hey, what? What are the core values of this business? Maybe like, well, they're somewhere on the wall. Core values cannot live on a wall. They have to live in your heart. They have to live in your actions. They have to live in your thoughts. And, and if that's who you are, like this is your core values, you need to build out from them and not say they're on the periphery, they're on the walls, you know? So that that's what I, you know, I think in leadership, you have to think more about what it is you're actually trying to accomplish, what your purpose is, and then how you actually disseminate that information and show that you care about it, how you value it, and how it is at the core of what you're building as a company. Yeah, I don't have any research on this, but my personal theory is that the generations that came before millennials and Gen Zers for the most part, not everybody, but a lot of people got married and they had families sooner. A lot of millennials and Gen Z, Gen Zers, you know, are barely old enough to be having families. But millennial generation is like it, they're waiting longer. They're not getting married as as soon as the older generations. And because of that, it was so much easier to go work for a work at a job 
almost purely for a paycheck because you did find purpose in your family. You found purpose in your marriage. You found purpose in your kids, something bigger than yourself that wasn't related to work. And now we have all these, these millennials that are in the workplace that they don't have kids. They don't have a family yet. They're not married and they're looking for purpose in their lives and somewhere else. And, you know, our, our workplaces are where we spend a majority of our lives. So it's, it's, not crazy to think that everybody in these generations wants to find more purpose out of their work. And I think when we look at it from that perspective, it just helps gain a little bit more empathy and understanding for the younger generations, because the reality is we're just living in a different world. They're living with different dynamics within their own personal life across the demographic of these generations. Yeah. To piggyback off of that too, um, there's a awesome book out there called Uncharitable. It's by Dan Pallotta. And in it, um, he talks a lot about how a lot of people used to work at nonprofit organizations because they felt like it was so purpose-driven. They felt like it was the place where you're really truly making a difference. And his point in the book, or at least a portion of the book, is he says, you don't think people going to work at Apple feel like they're making a difference. Like they are on the forefront of technology. They're providing computers to, you know, impoverished or undereducated countries. They're they're creating enough purpose or sense of purpose to to bridge that gap. And so if that's the only reason young people aren't taking huge pay cuts to go and work at nonprofit organizations anymore. They're seeking purpose in in the for-profit businesses that can provide them with more purpose, um, along with the paychecks that warrant their skill sets. So it, it's an interesting thing, it, and I, you know, I love thinking about the way that you brought that up too. Is you know, millennials now are you know thirty five, thirty six at the top end, like they're starting families, like they're getting to that space. But more and more, people are getting married later, like you said, like people are starting families later. And so that sense of purpose is not just being found in a home life. It needs to be found in that time that they spend at the companies that they dedicate so many hours every week to. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think it's super important for people in older generations to understand. And it just, the biggest thing that I think that it brings out is empathy. And with that empathy, you create more connection to the people that you are working with. So Kyle, got to wrap this up here. I would highly encourage anybody out there who is a high school student, high school teacher, anybody who works with high school students to grab a copy of Kyle's book. I also think it'd be super beneficial for anybody who's leading action-packed leadership. There we go. Anybody who's leading millennials or Gen Zers in the workplace and you want to get a better understanding about how they think, how they operate, and be able to connect with them better so that you can lead them better and positively influence them. I think Kyle's work would be a great place for you to, a uh, great thing to check out. Kyle, where can we find you online? Where, we, where can we buy your book? I know you have Action Pack Leadership, but you also have Wake Up Call and that's it, right? Those two? And The Thinking Dilemma. The thing, yes, yeah, so The Thinking, that was the first one, right? Uh, wake Up Call was the first one, nice story about leadership. The Thinking Dilemma is my very short manifesto on these crazy little devices that we have and 
how we need to think a little more intentionally about the life that we're building. So it's, it's very short. That was kind of the in-between book. Awesome. And they can get all those on Amazon. They're all on Amazon. You could go to my website, kylewilcom.com. You could find them at actionpackedleadership.com. Find it through my social media pages, uh, where, wherever you'd all like to connect with me. I'd, I'd love to, to see you there. Awesome, man. Thanks for joining me today. It's great to see you again. And I look forward to chatting with you soon. I'm definitely going to bring you back. I feel like we have a lot to unpack here that we could that we could unpack and, and that I think people would find value in what you have to share. So thanks for yeah, being on the show, man. Great. Hope you have a great rest thanks of your day. You too. What's up guys. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the show today. If you enjoyed the episode, we greatly appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes because it's how we spread the word about the show. Also remember to grab your copy of locked in a digital guide on how to unlock world-class resilient performance by heading over to mindshiftlabs.com backslash performance. That's mindshiftlabs.com backslash performance. We'll see you next week.